The Lord be with you. For the next six months, we are going to work our way through the book of Romans in the Bible. But we're starting in chapter 4. So I'm going to give you a little catch-up this week, all right? So first of all, the book of Romans is a letter written by Paul to the church in Rome. And Paul's never been to Rome before, but he's heard that they're having a problem. You see, the church in Rome, they're having a family feud, on the one side, you got the Greco-Roman Christians. They're the challengers, and they're going up against the long-time standing champions, the Jewish Christians. And each side is saying that they're better than the other side. Now, the Greco-Roman Christians are saying, well, we are clearly the better family, because we, as the Greco-Romans, right, we've got philosophy. You've heard of Socrates, Plato, Aristotle. Those are our guys. We've got the arts. You've seen the Parthenon, the Pantheon, any great architecture in the ancient world is probably one of ours. We've got an empire, right? There's a reason this letter is being written in Greek and not Hebrew, and it's because we've taken over. We rule the world. Yeah, okay. So the Greco-Roman family, you know, they got their side, they got their arguments. But the Jewish Christians, they say, uh-uh. We're clearly the better half of the family because on our side, what do we have? Well, first of all, we've got God's law. You've got, you've got the musings of Aristotle. Well, we've got the words of God straight from the divine mouth. So maybe that trumps you a little bit, huh? Also, you guys are busy shaping marble. We're shaping our bodies. We've got circumcision. That's what everyone wants. And you've got an empire. Well, we've got a family, a chosen family, because we are descendants of Abraham, so clearly we are the best out there. Now, look, we all want to feel good about our family. We all want to be proud of our family. But all too often, our feeling good about our family comes at the expense of others. All too often, we sacrifice our siblings for the sake of family pride. And we see this happen two ways in our gospel today. The first way is that we sacrifice those siblings who make us look bad by association, right? You got that brother who's been in jail a few too many times on and off of drugs. Well, maybe you just forget it to invite him to Thanksgiving, Ew. right? We don't want to be associated with him. And that's what we see going on in our reading from Matthew, because Jesus, as he's going along, he sees a tax collector who happens to be named Matthew. And Jesus calls him to be a disciple. And then Jesus eats with Matthew and all his other tax collector buddies. And this is surprising because, you see, tax collectors, just like today, no one likes a tax collector, but even more so in the ancient world, because in the ancient world, the tax collectors, they paid Rome up front all the taxes Rome hoped to collect for the year. And then the tax collectors went around and they collected taxes, and any taxes they collected went into their own pockets. And so they tried to collect as much taxes as they could. didn't matter what Rome wanted. They just kept taking more and more for themselves. And so you can understand why the Pharisees start to grumble when Jesus is hanging out with these tax collectors. And as a reminder, the Pharisees were the people in Jesus' time who took God's law the most seriously. Right? These were people who didn't just worship at the temple. Well, they would gather throughout the week in synagogues where they would study the scriptures under the teaching of a teacher, under the teaching of a rabbi. 
because they wanted to understand God's law properly. And so when they see Jesus, a rabbi, hanging out with these people who are flagrantly violating God's law, they say to Jesus' disciples, hey, what gives your rabbi is making our rabbis look bad by hanging out with people like that tax collector? We don't want people who are worse than us as part of our family. And so we sacrifice our siblings for the sake of our family pride. And that's in many ways what the Jewish Christians in Rome are doing. Right? They're looking side-eye at these Greco-Romans who say, hey, we heard about Jesus, we heard he's really cool, but you know, circumcision, not eating pork, there's all these things that you Jews do that we don't want to do. We don't want to follow all those laws. And so the Jewish Christians in Rome say, well, maybe you aren't really a part of the family. But there's a second way. There's a second way that we sacrifice our siblings to maintain our family pride. And that's by sacrificing people who make us look bad by comparison. So, maybe you also have a sister. And maybe your sister's at the top of her professional career. She's raised four perfect kids and she always looks amazing. And maybe you also forget to invite her to Thanksgiving. Because every time you look at her, you remind yourself, oh, I could be like that, but I'm not. And you really don't want that reminder in your life. And so better just not to have her around at all. And that's also what we see in the gospel today. Jesus, he goes to help a little girl who has died. And when he gets there, the funeral rites, they've already started. There's people outside singing songs of grief, making a commotion. And Jesus says to them, hey, guys, relax. Go home. This girl's not dead. She's just sleeping. And in that moment, Jesus is offering the crowds a picture of a reality that is so much greater than what they have known their whole lives. It's a picture of a reality that would upend everything that they have built their existence on. In much the same way that when the Jewish Christians in Rome say to the Greco-Roman Christians, hey, you think you're the peak of civilization? You're not. We've got a, a heritage that's eternally better for, than yours. Well, those Greco-Roman Christians and the crowds outside the little girl's house, they have the same response, which is to laugh and say, that can't be right. You get out of here. We're not going to pay attention to that. Right? We don't want people in our family who are better than us who will remind us, oh, we could be better also. And so we sacrifice our siblings to maintain our family pride. So Paul, Paul weighs in on this family feud. And in chapter 1 of the book of Romans, Paul weighs in by saying, my Jewish siblings, you're absolutely right. Those Greco-Romans are trash. He says, Greco-Romans, you think you're so great? Let's talk about that. You got your philosophy, but what have all those wise sages taught you? Right? They taught you uh, to look for God, but you end up looking for God by sculpting rocks into the shapes of animals. Your works of art and your architecture, they're just monuments to your own delusions. You, you think you rule an empire, but you can't even rule yourselves. You are slaves to your own passions. Paul says you hump everything that moves. No, you strike out as a family. Definitely the Gentiles aren't the better half. 
Now, and at the beginning of Romans chapter 2, the Jewish Christians must be feeling pretty good about themselves, right? Because Paul has just laid into the Gentiles, those Greco-Romans. And Paul says to the Jews, my fellow Jews, you are so correct. You have God's law, and so you are superior, or you would be if you actually followed it. But here's the thing. You go teaching the Gentiles, thou shalt not bear false witness, and then you go lie to each other. You teach the Gentiles, thou shalt not steal, and then you rob each other left and right. He says, you talk about circumcising your foreskin, let's talk about circumcising your heart. Huh? He says, the law which you claim to follow condemns you more than the Gentiles, because at least they can plead ignorance for their bad behavior, but you know what God commands, and you do it less well than they do. So the Jewish side of the family all strikes out. And at this point, you can imagine those Jewish Christians in Rome must be feeling a little bit like the Pharisees do in the gospel today, when after having criticized Jesus for hanging out with sinners and tax collectors, Jesus says to these people who spend all week studying scriptures in their synagogue, he says to them, why don't you go and learn what it means when God says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Because you see, in the scriptures, God does set up a system of sacrifices. But it's, it's a fail-safe. First and foremost, God gives us God's law so that we might have life. That we might have life by learning how to love each other, to treat each other with mercy. But God knows we're going to mess it up. And so God says, hey, when you mess up, you need some way to show that you're sorry so that you know you're forgiven so you can get back in the game. So here's some sacrifices you can do to make amends and move on. But it turns out sacrificing a goat is a lot easier than being good to a neighbor you don't like. And so over time, people start putting way more focus in the sacrifices that they can show off to everyone else rather than actually treating each other with mercy. Jesus is saying to the Pharisees just what Paul is saying to the Jewish Christians in Rome. You are willing to sacrifice your siblings to maintain family pride. But in doing so, you have missed the whole point of what it means to be a family. And so you can imagine what Jesus' response might have been when it says that having just been criticized by the Pharisees for the people he hung out with, a leader of the synagogue, which is to say a Pharisee, comes to Jesus and says, hey, my daughter just died. Could you help her? You can imagine Jesus in that moment being like, really? All your friends making fun of me, criticizing my choices, insulting my disciples, and then you come here and ask me to help your daughter? Well, of course I will. Of course I will, because that's what it means to be family. What it means to be family is not that we sacrifice our siblings to maintain family pride. What it means to be family is that we sacrifice our pride to show our siblings mercy. I'm going to say that again because it's the point of the whole sermon. Yeah. What it means to be family is not that we sacrifice our siblings to maintain our family pride 
but that we sacrifice our own pride to show our siblings mercy. And so Jesus sacrifices his own pride, and he goes to show mercy to the leader of the synagogue, whose friends have just criticized him. And when Jesus gets to that man's house, and all the crowds there make fun of Jesus for saying that the little girl is just sleeping, you know, Jesus, he could have walked away and said, hey, have it your way. You think she's dead? Let her be dead. But no, Jesus sacrifices his pride to show mercy to that little girl, to take her by the hand and raise her up to new life. Jesus sacrifices his pride when he calls Matthew to be a disciple. Matthew, who as a tax collector, likely swindled Jesus at one point, definitely swindled Jesus' fishermen disciples many points. And yet, Jesus sacrifices his own pride to show mercy to Matthew, to invite him to join a new family. Jesus sacrifices his pride when it says that on his way to help the little girl, he's walking through the crowd and there's a woman there who's been bleeding for 12 years. And you have to understand that a woman who's been bleeding is considered ritually unclean. And so she's forbidden from touching anyone, even their clothes, lest she make the things she touches unclean. And yet she touches Jesus without his permission. Jesus sacrifices his pride to show that woman mercy. He not only heals her, but he calls her daughter. Because she too is a part of God's family. And in Romans chapter 3, Paul starts to explain to us what it means to be a part of God's family. He says, hey Jews, Gentiles, Greco-Romans, there is no distinction among you. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So that the promise may come as a gift of grace through Jesus Christ, whom God offered up as a sacrifice of atonement. Paul says to the Romans what we say here at Faith Lutheran Church every Sunday. None of us are perfect. None of us are better. None of us are worse. We're all in need of God's grace. And that's the foundation of this family, that we all need the promise of God's unconditional love. And so, Paul says to the Jewish siblings that he has, look, I know you're proud to be descendants of Abraham, to be part of that chosen family, but let's talk about what it means to be a part of Abraham's family. Because God chose Abraham to be the father of many nations before Abraham was circumcised. God chose Abraham to be the father of many nations hundreds of years before Moses ever received the law on Mount Sinai. So Abraham's family can't be about circumcision and it can't be about following the law. So what's it about? Paul says, God chose Abraham and made him a promise. And Abraham believed him, believed God. That's what it means to be a part of God's family. God's family is the family that has faith in God's promises. And in Romans chapter 4, the part we read today, Paul says, and you know what? Abraham's faith in God's promises were unwavering. It was unwavering faith. 
And I believe Paul when he says that. I believe Paul when he says that Abraham's faith was unwavering, even though I know Abraham lied about his wife being his sister so he could marry his sister to a king and get rich doing so. Abraham did this twice. I believe that Abraham's faith was unwavering, even though Abraham slept with his wife's slave to try to produce the kid that God had promised him. And I believe that his faith was still unwavering, just as Paul says, because I believe what it means to have an unwavering faith is not to have a life that's perfect. I believe what it means to have an unwavering faith is not to wait passively and God to provide everything that you've hoped for. I believe that when Paul says Abraham has an unwavering faith, it means that Abraham was willing to sacrifice his pride to hold on to God's mercy. That's an unwavering faith. It is the faith of a tax collector who sacrifices his pride when Jesus calls him to leave his profession behind and start a new job, one that doesn't pay a dime. It's the faith of a woman who's been told for 12 years that she is unclean and can't touch anyone and yet reaches out for Jesus because she has no pride left to lose. It's the faith of a Pharisee whose daughter has just died and so he comes to Jesus and says, I know my friends have been talking trash about you, but I don't have anyone else to turn to, so I'm here to sacrifice my pride and ask for your help. That's the faith. That's the faith of Abraham. And Paul says, those individuals, they are Abraham's descendants. They are Abraham's descendants not because they share his blood, but because they share his faith. And it is that faith which makes God's family. And because of it, it's the best family. It's a family that is good, of which we can be proud, not because of our goodness, but because of God's goodness. It is the family I am most excited to be a part of because it's a family in which it means we, we sacrifice not our siblings, but our pride to show each other mercy. And so may we, like Jesus, Build up this family which we share, which we share in faith. May we build it up not by sacrificing our siblings, but sacrificing our pride to show our siblings the mercy that makes us one in Christ. Amen.